MSW Media. A big thanks to our new sponsor, Mave, for supporting our podcast. Dogs need unprocessed, high-protein, low-carb diets that kibble and fresh foods don't deliver. Make the switch to raw today. Right now, Mave is offering $40 off your first order at meetmave.com slash dailybeans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. Today, a federal judge orders Mike Pence to testify before a federal grand jury about Trump's illegality leading up to January 6th. The grand jury in the Manhattan DA case will not meet Wednesday and will not hear the Trump case Thursday. A group led by Ginny Thomas took nearly $600,000 in anonymous donations. And Dominion wants Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity, among others, to testify in their upcoming trial. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, my friend. How are you feeling today? Oh, you know, just um, getting through the day, but I'm feeling well enough to be here with you. And I think everyone's going through it. There's a lot of winds kicking up in California and a lot of change in temperature. And so a lot of flying and a lot of crowds. Yep. It's that spring cold season. And uh and allergies exacerbate it. It's just no no bueno. No bueno indeed. But I'm grateful that at least we're living in a time where if God forbid it was the Rona, it would be maybe <laughs> since I'm vaccinated and boosted, it would be like this. But everyone stay healthy, wear masks when you need to or when you want to and just wash your hands because we're adults and everyone should have been doing that long before the fucking pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is your last day with us for a while. When are you back? Well, actually, I'll be with you tomorrow, and I probably oh. misspoke yesterday, um, but I will be back in your ears the week of April 17th. Okay. Yes. Okay, so, yeah, for a couple of weeks, you're out. I am out. All right. Well, I'll be here bringing the news. I'm, I bet I can wrangle some cool guest hosts. We'll see how that goes. Oh, no problem at all. And if we're lucky, there might be an indictment while I'm gone. Yeah. Uh-huh. Although you'll be here tomorrow, so we'll see. Right. Uh, but uh, it's looking like maybe they're done. We're going to go over all that when we get to the news, which is now. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. So more than a week ago, the former guy predicted incorrectly that he would be arrested in New York. His statement led to a flurry of speculation uh, on the state of the Manhattan grand jury investigating Trump's alleged role in a scheme to pay hush money uh, to adult film star Stormy Daniels before the 2016 election. But no action has come from the DA's office thus far, and the grand jury is not expected to consider the Trump case again this week, according to two sources that spoke with CNN. The grand jury will not meet Wednesday and will be hearing an unrelated case on Thursday, according to the sources. The grand jury typically does not meet on Fridays. Grand jury proceedings are secret and the jury could always be called back in by prosecutors. Reporting from Hugo Lowell was that the grand jury wouldn't meet Wednesday and wouldn't hear evidence in the Trump case on Thursday. Several people pointed out, including Andrew Weissman and Joyce Vance on Twitter, that the wording didn't exclude a vote on Thursday in the Trump case. Many of the major news outlets are reporting that there will be no movement on the Trump case this week. But I want to point out that the verbiage from the original source did not mention voting. But hey, good news is we're going to find out eventually. But uh, CNN says, quote, the grand jury is not expected to meet on the hush money case for the rest of the week, meaning next week is the earliest the panel could be asked to take a vote 
on whether to indict the former president. That's from CNN. NBC News first reported the grand jury would not meet again on the Trump case this week. Now, Bragg is investigating Trump, as we know, over the reimbursement of $130,000 that a payment came from, you know, Trump lawyer Michael Cohen made to Stormy Daniels before the 2016 election for her silence about an alleged affair with Trump a decade earlier. Now, Trump, of course, has denied the affair. So that's where we're at in Manhattan. All right. Thank you for that, A.G. Oh, this case is just getting better and better. And I swear, if Trump being president and then losing the second election and making such a fuss is what takes down Fox News, I will be very happy about it. Dominion Voting Systems said in a court filing Monday that it wants to put some Fox News top executives and most well-known hosts on the witness stand when its $1.6 billion defamation case against the right-wing network goes to trial. Yep. Now, among the network personnel that the voting technology company wants to call as witnesses are Fox News chief executive Suzanne Scott, Fox News president Jay Wallace, host Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, Maria Bartiromo, Laura Ingram, and Brett Beyer, and, and former executive Bill Salmon, and politics editor Chris Steyerwalt. Now, Dominion also said it wishes to call to the stand Abby Grossberg. We've been talking about her a lot. That's the Fox News producer who filed lawsuits against the network last week that alleged network lawyers coerced her into providing misleading testimony. Well, Dominion's potential witness list, which is not final and will surely face legal challenges from Fox's lawyers, is part of the routine process of haggling over witnesses while both sides prepare for trial. Now, Dominion previously asked Delaware Superior Court Judge Eric Davis to force Fox Corporation Chairman Rupert Murdoch and Chief Executive Lachlan Murdoch to testify at trial, as well as board members Paul Ryan, who is the former House Speaker. It's that Paul Ryan. Now, Davis has yet to make a decision on which witnesses might be compelled to take the stand. However, in its own court filings, Fox News did suggest it wants to put Scott Wallace, Hannity, Carlson, Bartiromo, and Beyer on the stand as witnesses. Hmm. Their strategy and possibly calling these witnesses isn't publicly known. I can't imagine why they would fucking do this. Dumb. Yep. But in past court filings, AG, Fox News has highlighted the fact that Bayer, and I'm going to keep saying his name differently every time, but I think it's Bayer, said on air shortly after the 2020 election that there weren't indications of widespread fraud. Oh, so the one time one guy said there wasn't any fraud and they're going to, okay. Yep. Now, both Fox News and Dominion previously asked the judge to declare them the outright winner without a trial. The judge has yet to rule on the matter, but most legal experts believe the case will ultimately proceed to jury trial if the two sides can't reach a settlement. Now, jury selection is scheduled to begin on April 13th. During Tuesday's virtual court hearing, Davis became exasperated with some of Fox's lawyers for what he called legal gamesmanship. And he was taken aback when he learned that Fox had objected to every single exhibit that Dominion might want to use at trial. (laughs) This is a quote. If I think you're just trying to interrupt testimony out of gamemanship, you may have a problem. That's what Davis said. Be careful, people. Keep your powder dry on this stuff. This isn't a game. This is a trial. And you're going to be presenting to the jury. (laughs) Yep. The judge said he was very concerned about Fox's blanket objection to the exhibits. A lawyer for Dominion compared Fox's strategy to asymmetrical warfare. I mean, come on. Fox News' lawyers pushed back by saying Dominion had objected to a similar number of their trial exhibits. And Fox has previously argued 
that Dominion has cherry-picked the exhibits to present a misleading narrative about the network's <laughs> actions in 2020. It was all on air, by the way. <laughs> so there's that. Now, the exhibits in question likely include many of the internal Fox News emails and text messages that have already played a major role in the case <laughs> by exposing how top executives and talent didn't believe the voting-rigging claims that they were promoting on air on the network after the 2020 election. So those are, that's the proof they have. This is in, irrefutable. I, lo- I love you. You cherry picked by submitting entire episodes and transcripts during only a specific period of time. What about what Tucker Carlson said in, in 2011? You know. <laughs> oh, my God. Huh. Uh, good Lord. This is, yeah. So you'll be you'll be out when they start jury selection, but you'll be back by the time I think the trial starts, provided it only takes a week or so for that selection to happen. But we'll see. I think it is going to go to trial. I'm I'm with the writer of this article here. I don't think that uh, the judge is going to award summary judgment to anyone. Summary judgment being, I'm going to decide the case before it even gets to a jury because there's so much evidence. And there is a ton of evidence, but usually defamation cases, you don't ever, people don't even ask for summary judgment in defamation cases because you really have to present and show malice, you know, to, and a, a jury is really required to make that decision. We'll see, though. All right. From NBC, a federal judge has ordered former Vice President Mike Pence to comply with a subpoena in the investigation into former President Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election results, according to a source. The ruling from our new guy, Judge James Bosberg who is the chief judge for the U.S. District Court of the District of Columbia, just took over for Judge Beryl Howell. This ruling requires Pence to testify before the grand jury tied to the probe led by special counsel Jack Smith. The ruling was issued Monday but remains under seal because it involves grand jury matters. The judge's order gave Pence a partial victory regarding his speech or debate clause argument because of his constitutional role as part of the legislative branch that day. Pence's team has argued the speech or debate clause, which protects lawmakers from being compelled to discuss legislative activity, granted him uh, some immunity from testifying. Well, they they argued, Pence argued it, all immunity, but that's when Boesberg didn't really agree with that. He ruled that while Pence does have some limited protections because of that, the immunity does not prevent him from testifying about conversations related to illegality on Trump's part. Interesting. Yep. So... That sort of opens the door, right? They're like, okay, you win your speech and debate clause thing, but if there's any testimony that has anything to do with potential criming by Trump, (laughs) you have to answer that question. It's not covered by the speech or debate clause, which is what I've been saying, right? That is not, crimes are not covered by that. Trump's legal team had separately made a wholesale objection to the subpoena of Pence on executive privilege grounds. Claims which Bozberg completely rejected on Monday, as I expected. Now, Jack Smith, whom Garland appointed to lead the investigation last November, issued the subpoena of Pence in February. Pence vowed to fight it, saying no vice president has ever been subject to a subpoena to testify about the president with whom they served. Yeah, because we... (laughs) Yeah, I'll explain why, Mike, if you need a moment. (laughs) Uh, It's unclear whether Pence plans to appeal Boesberg's decision. I have put a pin in that. I have a theory. I'm going to continue here, though. When asked Tuesday whether he intends to appeal, the former vice president did not give a direct answer in an interview with Newsmax's Greta Van Susteren. Instead, Pence said, the requirements of my testimony going forward are a subject of our review right now. And I'll have more to say about that in the days ahead. He's thinking about it, whether he's going to appeal or not. 
Boesberg's ruling on executive privilege marks another huge victory for the special counsel, which persuaded another federal judge earlier this month, that's our good old Beryl Howell, that a number of Trump's former administration officials, including Scavino, Stephen Miller, Mark Meadows, Robert O'Brien, John Ratcliffe, Ken Cuccitelli, John McEntee, also must testify. Now, Trump is expected to appeal that ruling because Trump doesn't care if he loses. It was not immediately clear whether he plans to appeal Boesberg's decision on Pence as well. So I think he might appeal the Pence executive privilege thing, but maybe Trump, I think, might appeal the executive privilege thing, but he's going to lose. So who knows? You know, Chris Kyes might be like, remember that $3 million I gave you? You have $600,000 left and those appeals are going to cost you another 100, 200 grand. So maybe don't. Yeah, but we'll go over all this on the next episode of Jack this Sunday. And here's my theory about whether Pence will appeal Boesberg's decision. Pence got a partial victory here, right? The judge said, all right, you don't have to you. You do have some protections under the speech or debate clause. Now, they don't extend to Trump's crimes and you have no executive privilege. But the speech or debate. Yeah, you have some protection there. That's a win. That's a partial win. For Pence, it's a big loss for Trump, but it's a partial win for Pence. Now, if Pence appeals, he could be handed a total loss, at either at the appellate court or the Supreme Court or both, which True. would look really bad for him. He wants to be seen as a winner. He wants to tell the base, hey, I fought and I won, kind of. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> But he could say, hey, I didn't I thought the speech or debate clause applied to me. The judge says it does in certain situations. That's a win for me. I'm taking that win and and uh, I'm going to hang on to it. And I don't think he wants to risk a whole entire loss on the rest of the stuff. Like if he tries to go further and said, no, I don't want to have to testify about Trump's crimes under the speech or debate clause, he would lose. He would lose more than he's won. And I don't think he's going to risk that, honestly. I, I wouldn't appeal if I were him. Jack Smith could appeal and say, no, 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 he needs to testify about more. And I still don't think the speech or debate clause applies. But it seems like Jack Smith got everything he wanted, too, because if he's only going after Trump and he's not trying to pin anything on Pence, which I don't think he is, then and Pence has to testify about potential Trump crimes, then Jack Smith got what he wanted. Pence got what he wanted. I don't I kind of don't see any of these motherfuckers appealing any of this. So that's just my two cents. It again, put some beans on it. It's total speculation. I don't have any sourcing on that. All right. Well, there are sources in this next story. Yes, yes, there are. (laughs) There are a lot. And there's receipts. A little known conservative activist group led by who? Virginia, otherwise known as Ginny Thomas. And as we know, she's the wife of Supreme Court Justice. I'm not going to comment on that. Clarence Thomas. Yep. That little-known conservative activist group collected nearly $600,000 in anonymous donations to wage a cultural battle against the left over three years. This is from the Washington Post. They investigated and found this. The previously unreported donations to the fledgling group Crowdsourcers for Culture and Liberty. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they... Uh, yeah, they didn't... Um, what should we call ourselves? Yeah, yes. <laughs> Crowdsourcers for Culture and Liberty. Well, they were channeled through a right-wing think tank in Washington that agreed to serve as a funding conduit from 2019 until the start of last year, according to documents and interviews. The arrangement, known as a fiscal sponsorship, effectively shielded from public view details that crowdsourcers' activities and spending, information it would have had to disclose publicly if it operated as a separate nonprofit organization. Experts have said this. 
so they did it to hide the things. Yes, okay. they are hiding the things. The post-investigation sheds new light on the role money from donors who are not publicly identified has played in supporting Jenny Thomas's political advocacy, if you want to fucking call it that. Yeah, long a source of controversy, as it should be, because I don't think it should be called advocacy, first of all. No, right? <laughs> yeah. The funding is the first example of anonymous donors backing her activism since she founded a conservative charity more than a decade ago. She stepped away from that charity amid concerns that it created potential conflicts for her husband, <sighs> yep, on hot-button issues before the court. So she was concerned about how it looked when she worked for a publicly-facing nonprofit, but then once the funding was hidden through a conduit, she's still there. Yep. I see. Yep. And it continues. In 2020, she privately pressed White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows to pursue efforts to overturn the presidential election, and she sent emails urging swing state lawmakers to set aside Joe Biden's popular vote victory in awarding electoral votes. When those efforts were revealed by the Post last year, they intensified questions about whether her husband should recuse himself from cases related mm. to the election and attempts to subvert it. He fucking should. Yeah. In 2019, anonymous donors gave the think tank Capital Research Center, or CRC, $596,000 that was designated for crowdsourcers. That is according to tax filings and audits the think tank submitted to state regulators. The majority of that money, $400,000 of it, was routed through yet another nonprofit, Donors Trust. That's according to that organization's tax filings. Donors Trust is a fund that receives money from wealthy donors whose identities are not disclosed and steers it toward conservative causes. There's so much fucking dark money out there. So Sheldon much. White House is like yep. twitching right now. The documents do not say how or whether the money was spent. Whether the money was spent. They don't even know. It's not clear how much compensation, if any, Ginny was actually receiving herself. In 2019, the year the funding arrangement began, a trade group that represents industrial companies, the American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers, they had unsuccessfully sued Oregon over a program that regulates how fuels are produced and transported. Well, on February 8th of that same year, CRC joined free market groups, including the Cato Institute and Pacific Legal Foundation, in an amicus brief urging the Supreme Court to reconsider lower court decisions upholding the program. Hmm. It was the only time CRC, which is founded in 1984, has filed a brief with the court in recent decades. And that's according to Supreme Court records dating all the way back to 2001. For the court to hear a case, at least four justices must agree. Well, on May 13, 2019, the court declined to hear the case. The fact that CRC filed an amicus brief before the Supreme Court around the same time it was supporting the work of crowdsourcers does not, on its own, present a conflict of interest that would have required Clarence Thomas to recuse himself. And that's according to Stephen Gillers. He's a legal ethics expert at New York University. Well, if Ginny Thomas was paid for her work with crowdsources, either directly or through her consulting firm, then there could be a recusal issue, depending on the size and timing of the payment. That's again from Gillers. All federal judges, including Supreme Court justices, are required to recuse themselves in certain circumstances, including when they or their spouses have a financial interest in a party before the court or when a reasonable person might question their impartiality. Mm -hmm. But because the Supreme Court sits atop the judiciary, there is no high court to review each justice's recusal decisions. Okay. 
Giller said ordinary Americans might find it puzzling that, and I quote, one half of a married couple is at the ramparts on political issues that then get translated into legal issues that her husband has to decide. Mm-hmm. And then it says, but there's no rule prohibiting that. Okay. And it's not clear how one could be crafted. Mm-hmm. Well, there fucking should be. There's a lot more to this story, AG. Uh, this is by Sean Boberg and Emma Brown. And you can read it at the Washington Post. Just Google Jenny Thomas anonymous donations. All of the shit should pop up. Yeah. Uh, so bunch of dark money. We don't know where it went. We don't know if Jenny got any. And then all of a sudden the case was not heard by the Supreme Court after the group that was dealing with that weird crowdsourcers thing uh, filed an amicus brief. Okay, cool. Yep. Yep. Nothing to see here, everybody. Mm, That annoys me. I need good news. I need some good news after that. Do you? I could use it. I bet we have some good submissions. Let's get to that. I bet we do. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and then we'll get to the good news. Stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. I co-parent my beautiful dog, Olive, and she means the world to me. So I want to make sure she has everything she needs to be happy and healthy. And that's why I started using Maeve Raw Food for dogs. Most dog food out there is low protein, high in carbs, and generally not very healthy. Kibble is typically full of fillers, additives, and synthetics. So it just isn't good enough for what dogs need. Maeve Raw Food for Dogs was formulated by PhD veterinary nutritionists with real human-grade ingredients you can name just by reading them. Uh, plus, it's bite-sized and ready for your dog to eat right out of the bag. There's no mess, no prep, no thawing. Just open, pour, and enjoy. It's so easy. Your dog is biologically primed to digest and absorb key nutrients from an unprocessed, low-carb, high-protein, raw meat diet. And Maeve's Raw Food Diet is perfectly formulated to meet your dog's needs. Most dog parents see results in less than 28 days. And it didn't even take that long for me to see how upgrading Olive's diet made an improvement to her health, her energy, her coat, her disposition. It's easy. She loves the taste. She gobbles it up. It's so good for her. Um, She's so lucky she has me. Who else can say they get to eat all their favorite foods in every single meal? And longtime Beans listeners will know how much I love Marley Moo, my best friend's dog. I consider Marley to be part of my family as well. So spoil Marley Moo with Maeve as well. And they both love it so much. There's so many reasons that Olive and Marley Moo love Maeve, and you can get $40 off your first order at meetmaeve.com slash dailybeans. That's M-E-E-T-M-A-E-V dot com slash dailybeans. They have over a thousand five-star reviews, so you know people love Maeve too, and so do their dogs, especially those notorious picky eaters. Make the switch to raw today. Right now, Maeve is offering $40 off your first order at meetmaeve.com slash dailybeans. Go to meetmaeve.com slash dailybeans. That's M-E-E-T. M-A-E-V, to receive $40 off your first order. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, idioms, assholes of the Senate, misheard song lyrics, Whoopie stories, shared swears, find the cat, happy places, anything you want, a shout out to somebody you love, a local business in your area, an adoptable pet near you, anything you're thankful for, you can send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up from Anne H, pronouns she, her, calico correction. Hello, beans queens. I love you and rely on the news and hope you provide. I'm the spaghetti squash whoopie mom. Oh, ha <laughs> ha. 
Do you remember that, Dana? I do. <laughs> she gave the baby a spaghetti squash and carried her around. I love the spaghetti squash, Whoopi. I'm guessing you've already received some corrections on this, but not all calico cats are female. But two X chromosomes are required to make a calico. The male calicos are very rare and usually sterile. And they have three chromosomes instead of two. And they're almost always sterile. For pet tax, here are pics of some newborn kitties that we rescued. One was abandoned by his startled and panicked feral mama, ah, with the placenta still attached. And when she didn't return, I warmed and resuscitated him, clamped and cut the cord and bottle fed him until we could get him to a rescue with an incubator the next day. And my husband rescued the other two from a different litter when an off-leash poodle was tossing them in the air like they were toys. We bottle fed those for a long weekend before bringing them to the same rescue. Shout out to Eastern Pennsylvania Pet Alliance and the Saint Cats and Dogs of Neog. I've heard both Neog and Neog. Uh, that's a zoo in Scranton. Oh, I bet you're going to get another correction I <laughs> and another pronunciation soon. They are also sending volunteers with traps to try to TNR some of the strays taking over a trap neuter release. Some of the strays taking over the suburban neighborhood. Bonus pick. My toddler, a couple weeks ago on her second birthday, who insisted that the little black kitten was quote unquote bear, and I must admit she looked more like a bear than a kitten when I found her. They're doing an amazing job and are always in need of donations. Thank you so much for the amazing job you are doing. I love you. Love the show and love the swears. Look at the babies. (gasps) So sweet. Oh, and look at the spaghetti eating beautiful child. Oh my God. So, so good. Those little spaghettios with a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I love it. shirt and a little St. Patrick's Day green glittery top hat and a happy birthday tiara. I mean, it's all there. Those eyes. Wow. Wow. Thank you for that. Absolutely. All right. This is from Judy Pronounce. She and her huge fan since the start of the pandemic and patron for the last year. I'm loving the beans and Jack especially, but we'll be taking another look at cleanup on aisle 45. Oh, thank you, Judy. Yes. Friendly help on pronouncing Israeli place names. Ayalon, Ayalon, um, with the accent on Hebrew on the final syllable. So it's Ayalon. Okay. I'm I'm in trouble if I'm messing this one, but I think that's how you say it. Uh, Okay, here we go. Yair Lapid. Uh Uh-huh. I'm okay. so I'm so bad. I'm so bad. I'm a bad Jew. Yair, Yair Lapid. Lapid. Yep. And also with the accent on the final syllable. So Yair Lapid. Keep up the good work, AG and DG. And now you will sound even more authoritative. <laughs> Never authoritarian. Yeah, I have uh, a hard time uh, in a, a story about uh, the uh, protests, amazing protests uh, yeah. that actually postponed that judicial overhaul legislation that Bibi Netanyahu was trying to shove through. So it's just postponed. It hasn't been canceled. It needs to be canceled because it's absolutely fucking authoritarian. All right. Next up from Karen, pronoun she and her. Hi, my friends. Regarding cats and squares. I put some boxes on the roommate's bed and little tiger thought I had made a neat fort for her. Seems weird to send a photo of her without her dog. So bonus picture of her and Murphy. (laughs) He's famous for being on America's Funniest Videos because when I sneeze, he fetches me a tissue. (laughs) Thanks so much for all you and your team do for us. Look, okay, so just put the boxes around and the cat's inside the boxes. Yep. So funny. And then the puppers. Oh, congratulations on your famous Kleenex retrieving doggo. My goodness. 
All right, this next one's from Sam, pronouns she and her. Dear AG and DG, my boys had a day off of school, so we went to our city's science museum and main library in uptown Charlotte. It's never too early to teach the love in science and critical thinking. In the museum, they have a permanent frog exhibit, and I immediately (sighs) thought of AG. One of the pics looks like moss-covered wall, but I circled the moss frogs I could see. Enjoy a pic of my sunshine boy's Oh, it was cute. Pretending that they have created epic masterpieces with the art outside the library. I enjoy starting my day with you ladies and thank you for all you do. Oh my God. Look at these little, are they toads? They're moss frogs. Look at them. Hey, moss frogs. Cute. Yes. Very good hiding skills. Oh my God. Mike Pence wishes he was a moss frog today. I'm sure he does. Those boys are adorable with their art outside. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so good. That's a big frog. It's a big one. That's a toady looking frog. Don't lick them. Okay. And finally, from Jennifer, pronouns she and her. I'm listening to your podcast daily since the early days of the pandemic, and I just love your brain. So to say thank you for all the hours of intelligence and insight you've imparted to me, I wrote you this fun, fun, I can't even say fun tongue twister. I'm not going (laughs) to say it fast. Mr. Pecker picked a fight with Tiny Pecker. The puny Tiny Pecker didn't pay the peck. If Mr. Pecker picked a fight with Tiny Pecker, how many checks did that Tiny Pecker skip? (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Uh, It'd be funny if it was just bounce instead of... (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh, Thank you for that, Jennifer. And thanks to everybody um, for sending it. It really lifted my spirits after that Jenny Thomas story. I needed it today. Goodness, seriously. uh, But that... That Pence news is good news. And you know that uh, Andy McCabe and I are going to be talking about it at length on this weekend's episode of the Jack podcast. Please, if you haven't listened, you re- I think you would really love it. Andy McCabe is super great. Every once in a while, I get a swear word out of him. He's not as he's not as he's not as loose with the swears as like Pete Strzok is over on Clean Up on All 45. But he's he's just so great and so knowledgeable. And we have such great guests and all of the Jack special counsel news that you could ever want is there like all of the details. And I just, I'm, I really love that show and uh, I love, I love making it. So thank you very much for those who listen. If you haven't listened, give it a, give it a, give it a try, give it a spin, give it a spin. If you, if you go take a walk while you're listening to the Jack podcast, you will burn on average, like 260 calories. That's like three glasses of wine. (laughs) That's how I, I, th- I think that's how you should do it. <laughs> that's how I do my math, my important math. I love it. Um, any uh, final thoughts before we get out of here for the night? Other than everybody, please send good healing vibes over to our beloved Dana. Thank you. I am resting. I promise you, everyone. I've just been on the couch all day, tea and soup and good stuff. So I've been resting. Good. Push the fluids and we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, everybody, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone with you. In Wisconsin, you've got a few days left to vote. Go out and make it happen. Teamwork makes the dream work. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. Mr. Pecker picked a fight with Tiny Pecker. The puny Tiny Pecker didn't pay the peck. If Mr. Pecker picked a fight with Tiny Pecker, how many checks did that Tiny Pecker skip? The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.